Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Anthony, the VP of IT at Fastaff, and we discuss the technology that powers the travel nursing industry, leveraging your strengths as a company and working together with partners through mergers. We also discuss how to manage your time so you have margin in your schedule for when unexpected events arise. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. So what was the technology scene like when you were a kid in Denver? Technology scene. Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, the Atari was uh, was one of the big uh, you know, games. Now it's uh, kind of a you know, retro you know, popular now. Uh, my son uh, enjoys some of the old games that uh, video games that uh, came out. Uh, so we, uh, but but really from a computer standpoint, um, you know, one of my first computers was an 8088, IBM PC DOS 1.0. But uh, uh, yeah, I was uh, very fascinated uh, at a young age and uh, really uh, kind of set the uh, path for me. Uh, it was that or being a marine biologist, technology or being a biologist. So <laughs> uh, looking forward uh, from a career standpoint, I thought it'd be a bit more lucrative to, uh, to take the uh, technology path, but very interested uh, and continues to be, right? The narwhal is my daughter's favorite aquatic animal. <laughs> <laughs> it's the unicorn of the sea. It is the unicorn so, of the sea. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So you chose this path of technology. Did you start working right out of high school? Did you do some college? What was your first job like? Yeah. So it was um, a, a a position uh, with a company here in Denver that uh, specialized in uh, collections, custom collections of information. Uh, and uh, beginning uh, as that company, uh, IHS uh, Engineering at that time, um, kind of went through the evolution of technology, and this was going back to when uh, 16 millimeter film and fish were kind of the mediums and kind of uh, the, the capability that allowed for uh, data, documents, hard copy to be in a form that was easier, easier to manage, easier to reference. And so with uh, that particular position, I was a full-time student and working uh, at uh, IHS and, and really getting a career path going in both ways. Finished uh, college uh, and then continued just working there at IHS Engineering uh, through a series of promotions and uh, acquisition activities, was uh, able to kind of expand my scope and role there in the organization. Uh, and then making, helping to uh, make the jump from microfilm and microfish uh, into electronic data capture uh, using a technology that was built uh, in-house at the time. It's proprietary to uh, get this digitized, get it into a more contemporary medium at the time, which was CD-ROM, and uh, from there, DVD as a collection just kind of grew. And I saw you spent some time at Remax at the same time that I was doing real estate software. And uh, so I was like, that is so cool. What were you working on at Remax? Yeah, so Remax um, was uh, was a, a, a fantastic company, great culture. Dave and Gail Linegar, just amazing people, very entrepreneurial feel, uh, as large as that organization was. Uh, my role there was to lead technology and information systems for the organization. 
projects included the integration of some of the master franchisees uh, and their technology uh, using EDI uh, to collect information. Uh, so World Headquarters uh, doesn't sell real estate, uh, they sell franchises. And so in that particular role, it was how do we get in aggregate centralized data into the organization where it kind of fed uh, systematically up through to headquarters. And so uh, very interesting and exciting uh, stint there with uh, Remax International uh, was responsible for supporting uh, the e-business team as well with the deployment of a portal and an extranet that was uh, <clears throat> used for uh, our, our uh, membership to interact and take advantage of services and education training, et cetera, around uh, real estate, real estate uh, franchising that uh, was supporting about 60,000 users at that time. The real estate business is a very interesting one because like you said, at the very top, they're selling franchises. The first time that I walked in, we were doing some work with Realogy and I walked mm -hmm. into their headquarters in New Jersey and it's this giant circle and there's all of these different, you see the logos, you see like Coldwell Bankers or the Better Homes and Garden. It's like all their business units, logos. And for a moment, I just realized this, that was one of my first realizations. I was, this was about 10, maybe 10, 15 years ago about how markets worked. It really opened up my mind to understand how uh, venture capital works, how private equity works, how things get consolidated. And I think that's important. If you, if you know the full spectrum of the market, you can, and you know, the goals, you can plan better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. There are, uh, just uh, learning within the learning uh, as it relates to the industry and, and, and uh, real estate was no exception to that. Uh, healthcare staffing certainly is not an exception to that. It's a very interesting uh, industry in that, yeah, there's there's quite a bit going on. Uh, you know, it's like the old telecom uh, boom days where there was uh, a number of different companies out there uh, through time, consolidation, mergers uh, occurred for various and sundry reasons. It certainly is... Uh, a key part of, I think, any industry, and you know, certainly we're seeing some of that uh, here in the uh, staffing business for sure. How did you get into that? I think did you go from Remax directly there, or did you have something in between? I did. Uh, so I uh, left Remax at the time that of the Great Recession. Things were really contracting. Had an opportunity presented uh, itself uh, to me to kind of switch industries, where you know one of the at the time the CFO. Uh, that I'd worked with at Remax had left uh, a, a couple of years prior, had an opportunity to lead an IT uh, organization for this company uh, that uh, presented some interesting challenges for me that uh, really kind of revived, uh, I think, some uh, interesting curiosity in different areas of IT for me that uh, really intrigued me. Uh, and then healthcare staffing, what we do, why we do it, it has a uh, an impact that goes beyond the day-to-day -day duties of any you know, technologist uh, in the organization or anybody in the organization for that matter. What we do is we help to find those high acuity nurses that will go bedside uh, within a and travel within a matter of hours uh, to help uh, improve, help save lives and really impact the health and well-being of, of uh, our folks across the U.S. So it had that uh, intrigue to me beyond even technologies. Like, doing something to help enable the industry uh, that would uh, better support uh, humanity. I like that. And you were able to find parallels in your experience that prepared you for this. 
That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the experience that I cultivated over the years, certain aspects of technology translates from one industry to the other. It's universal. It's universal. But there's just that uh, intrigue in other uh, areas of how can we further exploit, take advantage, create automation, expand what technology can do to move the company forward. And again, in our case, it's getting nurses to are on the ground or bedside as quickly uh, and as efficiently as possible. So you must have been really useful during the whole pandemic. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting time, right? Caught uh, everybody off guard. Uh, it was very surprising. You know, and I would say that, you know, leading up to the decision uh, that was even made here at the organization, past staff in U.S. nursing to work remote, there was a plan. And so, you know, part of my objective as I joined the company was to assess and really help to build the team and the strength that was needed to carry and grow the business. Uh, so I've got a fantastic team uh, that are, are, are very experienced, uh, have a lot of talent, very innovative, very passionate about what they do. And so soon after um, me joining the company, uh, it was really helping to build that team. So things had improved. The Great Recession was over. There was more funding for IT and other aspects of the business. So building the team was paramount uh, and important. And so pretty early on uh, after that, we began to assess how do we enable the business? How do we enable our users to be more productive with the services and, and technology that we offer? When I started, everybody had a desktop. Everybody had a you know, traditional kind of workstation that uh, folks used. And so you were tethered you know, to, your, to your location, physically, your office, office desk. Um, and there was a decision strategically that we made is that we want to be independent. We want to be independent of a physical location. And if you can perform your job, and that you can perform your job, whether you're in the office, at Starbucks, in your home office. And so a lot of the activity that started years ago really helped lead us, led, uh, led us to the ability to go virtual in a very, very short uh, term. Uh, and it was literally overnight. And so that was converting everybody to laptops um, over, the per uh, over a period of time, allowing for virtual desktops for those uh, employees that uh, would have their own equipment uh, that would be able to get spun up very quickly. Uh, so a lot of those pieces were in place. Uh, it really supported, again, literally the overnight transition from the office and operating uh, with you know, several, you know, a couple of hundred people here in the office with the buzz, with the dynamicness of how we operate uh, to going virtual. But the equipment was there. The services were there. The capabilities that we had around virtualization helped support that. And it was, it was really kind of a proud moment uh, for the team and a, and a point to even celebrate that we were able to support the business to create the services that would allow for the expansion of the business to be twice the size as it was year prior. So we doubled in nurses on assignment over the pandemic. Um, it really it was kind of a testament to the, the team's, team's dedication uh, to making sure that we were doing our job in servicing our internal customers as well as our external customers. Do you make any custom software? We do. Yep. So we have uh, developed about four years ago, we uh, went into a kind of a, a, a surveying of the landscape around applicant tracking systems, front office software, what, it, what could be bought versus what should be built. Uh, and that's just a practice that I think is very important for any leader. And that's really understanding um, kind of what's out there that you can take advantage of and leverage. 
we had a front office uh, staffing solution uh, that was uh, you know, not being developed from a contemporary feature and functionality perspective. Uh, and there was no roadmap to really get it to the point where we needed it to help uh, create velocity within our business. So about four years ago, we, with the other executive team members, went on kind of a, a, a window shopping spree of uh, software to see what was out there, um, what would make the most sense for our organization, what are the capabilities that you get out of the box, and then what are the gaps? What, what were the some some of the items that uh, and features and functionality sets that uh, we really need for our particular business that wouldn't be provided? Uh, so we made the decision to go with a new applicant tracking system at the time uh, that really helped to accelerate uh, delivery of capabilities, uh, a lot of unified messaging, very dynamic and automated processes that help to keep engagement there with our nurses, um, kind of relieving a little bit of the manual interaction that was uh, necessary in the past through a lot of the messaging capabilities uh, and offerings of the fr uh, front office solution. And one of the gaps or one of the other areas that we knew it was also kind of a differentiator in the market was um, the extension of capabilities through integration in our front office to create a custom application that allowed a nurse to register with us to provide profile information with uh, for us and for them uh, to man manage and maintain a central location and give us all of their professional documentation that was necessary to get them travel ready. Uh, big gap, big opportunity at the time, uh, really leading the industry in that regard. And so we, we had a year-long project to design, develop, partnered with uh, a great product development company at the time to really get this design and, and application, which uh, is there's an Android version as well as uh, an iOS version uh, that helped to kind of give or empower that nurse through a very convenient application uh, to register and, again, contribute the profile information that was key to getting them on the road as quickly as possible. What are some of the examples of traveling nurses? Like, for example, you know, maybe a hospital has a shortage or do you do stuff for in-home health care? Like, why, why do we need traveling nurses? Yeah, good, good question. Uh, so fast staff travel nursing uh, is, is a pioneer around uh, the, in the industry leader around rapid response, uh, rapid response travel nursing which means that uh, we send experienced high acuity nurses into the most urgent, crucial situations nationwide. Hurricanes, Irma, Harvey, floods, fires, flu outbreaks, uh, and then more recently, you know, COVID pandemic, where we had nurses that were processed and traveled within 24 to 48 hours to be bedside with a lot of the critical patients uh, that unfortunately we experienced uh, some of the complications as it relates to, to COVID. Uh, so rapid response is just that. So that's kind of the niche within the industry that we we play in. The other side of the business uh, is U.S. nursing, uh, which is the nation's leading uh, provider of replacement uh, nurse uh, staffing for labor labor strikes and other work stoppages and disruption. Very similar. We recruit uh, in a very accelerated fashion uh, nurses, get them on a plane uh, to help fill uh, a gap that may exist. We're nurses that are uh, unionized, working at a particular hospital system, uh, decide to uh, strike. Babies will continue to be born. Emergency rooms will continue to get filled. Uh, we, patient care is, is, is paramount, very important. Lives are at stake. That side of the business helps to deliver nurses uh, to save lives in the 
in those situations where there's a bit of a disruption and some work that needs to happen between the hospital system and the unionized nurses. All of this is very accelerated uh, and happens within hours. It's a fascinating uh, model um, that is still uh, mind-blowing today. Yeah, I don't know exactly how to talk about it, but I was thinking about this because growing up, I've got family in Las Vegas, right? And they own like furniture stores and they put furniture into all the event venues because there's constantly events happening there. And so one of the things I would hear her, hear, you know, my family member talk about constantly is, you know, every couple years they'd be dealing with some issue because there was a strike, right? And getting furniture in for the event venues or people getting their drinks or the hotel being able to operate or the casino being able to operate, right? Because there would be these strikes and uh, how they wouldn't like the people who are doing work, even though there was a strike because there were some of those types of people and uh, that whole tension there. But when you bring it to nursing, it's like any human is going to be completely understanding and receptive of this because you could potentially be the patient in that hospital. You could be the person having that baby. You could be the person in that car accident and you need the nurse to be there. That's absolutely right. It is a different situation and scenario as you think about it. It is still uh, a disruptive uh, situation in terms of labor. But yeah, as you said, lives are at stake. It could be some, it could be that unionized nurse's parent, grandparent that needs care and, and you know it's interesting because it is it is different. I mean, there is a lot of tension when you think you know just historically about different unions, uh, labor disruptions. Uh, healthcare is different. I mean, certainly people have their opinions uh, about replacement nurses for a period of time, and that period of time could be uh, one to five days. Typically, you know, no, that doesn't extend beyond seven days. So it's a very short window where we have nurses helping to support and bridge that gap. But there are nurses that uh, certainly that that strike that really understand um, that you know we there is that obligation that importance that vow that all nurses took to really care for patients. So there's understanding. There's a bit more understanding, uh, I believe, with nurses that are uh, trying to resolve their dispute with the hospital system, whether that's uh, you know typically compensation benefits, et cetera. And those replacement nurses that are there for that brief duration, because there's no threat of that temporary nurse that we provide replacing them. This is very clearly a very temporary. And hospital systems care for their nurses, their full staff nurses, and and really work uh, genuinely to kind of resolve any you know challenges or issues. Um, and their intent is always to work through and uh, help meet in the middle or address uh, concerns that are there because they value those full-time nurses that uh, are in that dispute. In my experience, and I haven't really thought about this until this conversation right now, but nurses are really exceptional people. I mean, I'm thinking back right now as we talk to all the different, so my my brother's a physician and my stepmom is a physician as well. She was the medical director of a hospital like a county hospital for 20 years and she's had a private practice for the past 10. And so I, I've met quite a few nurses and they're usually very hardworking, intelligent, compassionate people. This is very true. Um, my daughter is a nurse and uh, very proud of her. And, you know, they are cut from a special cloth. Uh, what they do uh, is, is amazing and it's not for everyone. They, they're a very, very special group for sure. Uh, that uh, care, uh, have a passion, have that drive, 
and that commitment, you know, we're human. Sometimes there are concerns. We, we, we can reach certain points, thresholds where you, you need a bit of a change. You need you know, to decompress. Uh, nurses have a very tough job. Um, so utmost respect for every nurse uh, out there because it, it's not easy. And admittedly, I could not be a nurse, uh, <laughs> uh, not because I don't have compassion or interest. Uh, it, they just have the stamina and, the, and just that, again, ability to uh, to do it all in a very in a situation that could be uh, very stressful, long hours, um, meeting folks and with families and having difficult discussions about things that may be going on with the patient or a loved one. God, yeah, that's that's a lot of emotion. It takes a special person. Yeah, I'm not wired that way, and I have a lot of self awareness. <laughs> right, <laughs> I am. That's they are cut from a different cloth. I remember I got to meet the CTO of our of our city and in he gave me a tour through the headquarters, the like special operations command. And that's where they, it's the building that we would use if there were a disaster and everyone needed to come from the county, but it's also where they have the 911 call center. And so I got to tour the 911 call center and it was a really fascinating experience. They actually had a, they called it, I think unofficially like a cry room. Mm -hmm. And I was, and when I heard that, I was, I was just sitting there watching these people take these calls and, you know, and there's times when it's so the call is so emotional because you'll be on a 911 call and you don't necessarily get follow up or resolution on what happened to that person. And so they they actually found that they at first they didn't have the cry room and then they were just constantly like in the hallway or something needing to like step out. And then so they built this special room. And at that moment, at first, just to be completely human, I was like, ha, right? Like a cry room. And then it hit me and I was like, these people, I am so incredibly grateful that they exist because I could not do this. I could not pick up that phone like they do every day. And just an enormous amount of gratitude. I, I was just filled with it and nurses too. And, and now I get to see, like when I see these questions here about, you know, why, why do you, why'd you join fast staff, right? You're helping like a solid technology backbone infrastructure to be able to, you know, catalog and distribute and coordinate logistically these nurses to these situations. I mean, you're doing great work, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, and it takes a team, right? It's, uh, you know, as a, as a leader, you know, that I had been um, leading IT teams for a number of years, first and foremost is, uh, you know, you, the hiring the folks that um, will really help to complement one another, including the leader. And, and really investing in those employees, uh, supporting those employees, uh, and being kind of a, you know, they're, they're, they're serving those employees as a leader as you do other external customers, in our case, nurses or hospital systems, uh, because it does take a team and, and no one individual has got the ability or capability to, to, to make the, the change that's necessary uh, in a lifetime uh, to make a difference. And so uh, credit goes fully to the team that I've got, that uh, very special group that makes a difference for sure. I've got somebody you'd like. I talked to him recently. Uh, his name's Chris. He's the CTO of Waystar. And they specialize in providing transparency for payments in the healthcare industry, right? Because consumers want more transparency around their medical bills. It was a great conversation. I, I tell people it's like our flag, flagship, you know, episode for listening to a bunch of medical conversation about medical billing and all of the intricacies there. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do any mergers and acquisitions? Do you play in any other arenas like payments, or do you 
just strictly focus on on the nursing? Uh, yeah, good question. We uh, nursing nurse staffing is our primary and uh, in, in core model. Uh, we certainly you know bill for the services that they provide, uh, but really have not expanded you know in any way, shape, or form to those other ancillary kind of business opportunities. Uh, so no acquisitions uh, from that uh, standpoint. Um, I, I will say though, there has been some acquisition activity in our recent past here at US Nursing and Fast Staff. Uh, we were recently acquisitioned uh, by Cornell Capital uh, and Trilantic to pull together the leading company, some leading companies in our industry to create uh, a really powerful offering that would be underlyingly driven by uh, really modern technology. Uh, taking advantage of some experience that would help improve things through AI and machine learning. Uh, so some of those other sister companies at this point, and we're uh, in in, a, in the process of merging Fast Staff and U.S. Nursing uh, with another company called True Staff. True Staff also is a nurse staffing ag- uh, agency uh, that has been in the market for quite some time. They play in this traditional space. We are rapid response, and so there's always been uh, just that to some degree, some uh, partnerships even with those that are in our space where, you know, uh, our interest and objective is always to get the nurse to the hospital when they need them because of, again, patients uh, needing that care. Uh, so we're very excited about this uh, acquisition and merger. True staff and fast staff really are going to be uh, very strong in the travel nurse industry. Technology will be uh, elevated even further through a company that was part of the acquisition called Stella AI. It's a uh, you know, fantastic company group of engineers. Uh, they're very innovative uh, that have created technology that helps uh, for candidates and hospitals for full-time staffing to be able to handle those transaction in a very tra- in a very uh, transformative way outside the normal process of sourcing, recruiting, and staffing in a hospital system. So we're very excited about that because it is uh, kind of a uh, a shot in the arm in terms of um, what will boost our particular business and and make us even more of a powerhouse in our industry uh, with the combination of this mix of companies. And then we have a third, co- a fourth company that would be a part of this as well, and that's Cardio Solutions. Uh, Cardio, Cardio Solutions offers uh, you know uh, service lines in and around and staffing around cardiac uh, services. And so they are a little bit different in that they're not dealing with nurses or allied personnel, uh, but their service lines are nationwide uh, involving, you know, cardiologists, cardiological services. um, And uh, they've got, you know, a team of more than a hundred physicians that really help to, again, save lives. And so this mix of organizations uh, is really exciting. And I think uh, it's going to be kind of a major threat in our industry to some of the key competitors that we have. I love fun, it. Fun time. Now, was this like a, a special acquisition group that decided to do this, or was this led by FastStaff? Good question. Yeah. So FastStaff has always been kind of in the crosshairs uh, for as a target because of what we do, how we do it, and how successful we've been in the recent in recent years. So there's always ongoing conversations and interested parties uh, to learn more, to be more, to to be. Uh, a part of the organization, uh, if not acquisition, the organization. Uh, so this was uh, a, a situation where uh, Cornell Capital uh, and the, and the chairman founder of Stella, uh, Adam Zoya, uh, really kind of partnering to look for 
uh, targets that would make sense to create this, you know, this powerhouse offering that helps to expand the capabilities in the industry through these specialized organizations uh, and bringing them together through the technology. Uh, so it was uh, kind of from my vantage point, something that happened uh, pretty fairly quickly. I mean, so there was no long drown out. We weren't on the on the sale block per se, uh, but something that came about through conversations of our CEO uh, and um, you know Adam and uh, the folks over at Cordell. So it was uh, really kind of uh, also it's also kind of flattering, right? So uh, when there's that much interest and intrigue in an organization, you're you're doing something right because they've got certainly the intelligence and understanding around the industry uh, to know who are those those players that are really making a difference that uh, should be considered for an acquisition to, to, to help uh, make more of a uh, move in, in, in an industry and really grow the company through uh, augmentation and specialized services. And, you know, again, the technology piece of this is foundational uh, to the new company that we'll be forming. Have you gotten to meet and you know strategize and have great discussions with the other technologists at the other companies? We have, yeah. So these these folks uh, that are now part of this uh, larger team are amazing. They're they're just very talented. Uh, their experience, the depth, the breadth of what they bring is very impressive. And you know, from a fit perspective, right? So you know, culturally, and then just from a personality standpoint. Uh, things are really, uh, they've just come together uh, as it was meant to be. So very, very, very excited about uh, what's to come and the partners that will become one and help to elevate the organizations across the board. So yeah, and, and, and much more of that certainly to come because there's lots of planning, lots of consideration around systems, front office, mid office, back office, custom applications, uh, the economies there, and then underlyingly, how do we um, you know, design the solution that's envisioned around creating um, this virtual capability with, uh, again, uh, artificial intelligence that will help to uh, allow many of our you know, gig workers uh, that do travel nursing as kind of a full-time deal, uh, give them, empower them to be able to be selective and place themselves in organizations that they would be fully qualified for because of the infrastructure and architecture of the solution, allowing for those compliance and regulatory checkpoints uh, and the understanding of what they, the experience that they've had, everything systematically driven to present and uh, allow our clients uh, to be uh, selective and handle it. everything from the introduction uh, in the system from the front door to booking the travel, uh, having that nurse have the ability uh, to do everything from stem to stern uh, as they're uh, taken through the process to get on assignment and help with patient care. And what was it like leading your team through this transition? Yeah, so the transition is certainly uh, continuing, uh, but uh, the the team is very optimistic. We've got a, a group of folks that are encouraged, excited. Uh, this is a growth opportunity and a growth play, um, as mentioned by Adam uh, Zoya. That you know we we are looking to grow the organization, make the right investments, and the team is is feeling uh, that there's opportunity on the horizon because now with the support of just two companies, there's four companies that we can help impact and create value for through the time and talent that that uh, uh, our folks uh, bring to the table. And just got tremendous 
uh, amount of experience, a lot of tenure in the industry, a lot of experience uh, with technology, a lot of curiosity about an interest in new technology as well. So I think right now the, we've got some folks that are uh, very excited about uh, the next step. What do you geek out with as far as technology in your personal life? Any hobbies, interests? Uh, with technology, so I'm a private pilot, uh, so there are a number of applications, uh, moving map uh, uh, applications uh, that allow for uh, you know, really uh, more automated and digitized methods of uh, determining you know, fuel consumption, pl flight planning, distance, based on distance. The old EXB, which uh, is a little cardboard wheel uh, that was pretty innovative at the time, uh, has kind of been replaced. So there's lots of innovation around uh, aviation and tools uh, that are even hitting the cockpits of commercial pilots. Uh, so geek out a lot on that. So there's lots of different apps that allow for you know, checking weather, winds, winds aloft, and you know just again, flight planning across, across country. Flight is much easier now and uh, less paper-based than it used to be. Uh, and this is, you know, in the recent, I would say, five years where it's really kind of uh, evolved. I, I'm also um, uh, an avid fly fisherman and uh, you know, tournament fisherman. And so lots of cool apps that allow for virtual tournaments uh, to take place. Doesn't matter if you're here in Colorado or in Wisconsin, you can participate in a nationwide tournament that allows you to uh, uh, to really compete with some of the best uh, you know across the nation without physically being there. Um, so there's just a couple of examples of uh, personal kind of uh, interest in you know technology and innovation. I love that you have some because some people they they don't and like the only thing they do is work. And for me, I've lived life both ways, and I think life is much more enjoyable having some hobbies and interests outside of work. It's um, it's one of those opportunities as I see it is when you look at other industries, even from the consumer side or on the personal side. A um, lot of innovation. Uh, there's a lots of very bright minds out there. Uh, they're not all in one industry. Uh, and there's a lot you can glean and learn from uh, using other tools. Um, and you know, sometimes there's application. Sometimes it just spurs an additional thought or uh, you know, some creative juices to start to flow. And, and you really help uh, impact uh, you know, current technology within the organization or the industry that you play in. So very much a proponent of that. And that's, that's part of, there's always that consideration with uh, this app is really cool. I love the way it does that. How about we consider incorporating some feature that might be uh, similar to that, that would serve our nurses better or enhance engagement or enhance that experience that uh, would really help retain nurses uh, in our world versus a competitor's world. So lots to glean and, and learn from. Yeah. Lots, lots of inspiration. And for myself, I tend to go through periods where I consume a lot of content, I'll read a lot, and then periods where I won't. And in the periods where I'm reading a lot, I'm typically learning from these authors, right? And mm -hmm. then in the periods where I'm not, I'm deeply focused on myself and what I find to be true. Because there's what the world will tell you is true, and then there's what you find to be true. And right. inevitably, you can find evidence to support either one if you look hard enough, right? That's right. <laughs> so. I, I put a lot of trust into myself and my own experiences and, and figuring that out. And one of the things that I tested extensively through the process of entrepreneurship and creating uh, business was this concept of working 24-7 and then the concept of having off time, 
where I would just work. I mean, for the first two, three years of having my kids and my family, I worked seven days a week, eight to 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And then I was experimenting because I was running, I ran into a few more successful people who weren't working that much. And I started to figure out what worked for the business. And then I started to have these like forced, I remembered back to the time when I was a software engineer full time and I hated forced breaks, but every time they helped clear my mind. Right. And inevitably I would solve the problem during the forest break or when I'm doing something else and consequential, like making breakfast or something. And so I decided to do a a small study with myself where I just track it in my notes. I said, okay, for the next six weekends, I'm just going to spend time with my family from Friday at five until, you know, Monday at 8am. I'm just going to spend it with my family and not think about work. And it took me a couple of weeks to try it, to get it right. Cause you just, your, my brain was so trained, but afterwards, I'll tell you what, those gaps, it's like a, like a fresh, fresh sheet of snow. Like it kind of smooths everything out, like how a good night's sleep will. And then you can come back and look at your business with fresh eyes on Monday morning and make smarter decisions. And so that time off is like absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. Absolutely is creating that balance. Um, you know, I would say in our organization, it is very dynamic. Um, there are periods of being in overdrive uh, across the organization because we've got a big order. We've got a you know, Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma. We've got a big project. Uh, nurses are needed now where people work very hard, very long hours uh, to fulfill that commitment and that need because there's greater purpose, right, than just physically putting a person on a plane to be delivered to uh, uh, to a hospital. There's there's lives at stake. But we we value that balance here. We create that balance during the periods of in between uh, big projects. And so, uh, it, and it's key, you're right. I, I think that it's easy to get in a rut. Uh, if you are in this routine of extended hours, you don't give yourself time to be, uh, to decompress, to, to, to really leave what you might be uh, challenged with or projects that, you know, might be going well as well. Just having that time to, to take a step back, uh, refresh and clear your mind. And then it just amazes me how um, crystal clear certain a particular problem could be as you approach it that following week or that following Monday, uh, where because you were in the forest, it was hard to see through those trees because you were just in that mode of trying to uh, solution something or you know, get into the, uh, the details of something that, you know, clarity is, is sometimes hard to come by if you're in too deep. So wholeheartedly agree and, and believe that it's, it's important. There's diminishing. Yeah. You get to a point of diminishing returns. If uh, you, you press forward, there are those periods, right? We all do it and it's for good reason, uh, but it's not sustainable. And it goes both ways too, because if yeah. you take too much time off, you get stir crazy and it gets ridiculous, but I get exactly what you're saying. It's hard balancing margin for your schedule and yourself, that is a skill that does not come easily. It is a skill that comes with a lot of pain along the way to figure out mm-hmm. the exact balance. Because like you said, there's those you have to have that margin so when those real emergencies pop up, you can push through it and work and have that, that, that uh, movie-style moment where the team comes together and you, you break through but you can't, it's like working out. You can't just go crush it 110% every single workout there. You're just going to have this natural rhythm to your workouts. And, uh, it's just 
man, I'm learning so much. You're incredibly experienced too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Been around the block once or twice, perhaps, but uh, uh, yeah, good analogy though. I mean, working out, uh, you need time for that muscle to uh, regenerate, to recoup. Um, yeah, hitting it hard day in, day out, same muscle group, just not going to get the results that you need and that you're expecting. So what are you learning right now as a leader? Um, learning as a leader right now is, is really, you know, part of it is, you know, I think we're all, we get, we, we enjoy um, and love IT because it's ever-changing. Uh, it's not static. It's not something that is, is repetitive or routine or mundane over time. It's ever-changing. I mean, I mentioned that we had a, a front office initiative and pro a project four years ago uh, with the uh, idea of, of creating these custom uh, mobile applications portal uh, website to support the business, enable the business. Doesn't seem like that long ago, uh, but you know, as as things happen in IT, as things are happening across industries that are very dynamic, we need to keep up. We need to you know keep pushing forward and learning and understanding what new capabilities are out there uh, that will help us accelerate the business and, and do value creation in the different areas that are needed uh, in our industry. So, uh, learning with uh, you know continuing to learn and push around AI and ML. Um, there's just such a large um, uh, play and argument that that will help us to be more efficient, to get um, a, a multiple more of nurses on the road successfully, compliant, uh, meeting all the requirements, helping to enable the business through automation uh, to do a lot less of the manual work. So it's really discovery, continued discovery with um, how do we push forward and, and what's the right path, what's the right platform, what's the right framework, and what's the, the right makeup of the resources that are needed. And so with this acquisition, it was a blessing in disguise to be able to be partnered with uh, Stella AI because of the, the, the value, the experience, uh, the capabilities that they offer. And so really excited about that and working with our folks on that side to to really put together a, a great roadmap that will uh, accelerate this business across the board, across all four companies. No, it sounds like there's a ton of energy over there on your team and within these businesses. And I've got a couple questions from our community, if that's cool. Absolutely. Is that yeah. cool? Because I just, well, I just checked the time and I said, oh, you know what? I want to make sure we get some of these community questions out there, help, help this next generation of leaders develop, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. So, Here's a question. What's one piece of advice that you would give an engineer that is aspiring to take on more management responsibilities? Engineer aspiring to, to take on more management uh, experience. Um, the advice, and, and if I look back at my career um, as I uh, played <laughs> and learned within IT, uh, I did uh, a stint of app, uh, development, and it was just, it was interesting for me at the time, uh, uh, because I was, I was wanting to look at how do I make a greater impact across the organization. And, and so from software engineering perspective, um, I made the decision to sidestep into uh, IT management uh, to lead the group. And so I you know, kind of created the opportunity. It was, it was, it was leaning in and, and standing, you know, in, in being in the right place to offer the organization and the team at that time, uh, some leadership. And so it just, it kind of happened, you know, naturally. And, and so the advice I would give is that, um, you know, you're, it, you need to go after it, 
if that is your passion, if that's your interest, uh, you need to make it happen for yourself. Uh, so really stand up, lean in, offer the services, start to express interest in that path to your manager. And really, in some cases, uh, if, if that opportunity isn't lining up in your current organization, sometimes you need to look in a different uh, area, different company, uh, maybe uh, depending on the size of the team or the organization, maybe a different department of the group, different department within the group of companies, uh, but really to, to go forward and, and express that, be vocal about it, make it happen for yourself. And again, sometimes that requires you to look outside the walls of the organization that you're currently working in. I like it. I like it. And how do you, you know, raise up this next generation of leaders within your organization? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, empowerment and, and really always assuming positive intent with the team, empowering them, allowing them to fail, allowing them to fail fast. Um, really, you don't, your, your, your greatest learning is during times of adversity and challenge. Uh, and so I think you, in, in a you know, kind of controlled fashion, you don't want to set somebody up to fail, but with understanding that there's safety nets and um, we've got your back, um, allowing people to really express themselves through the job roles that, uh, that they have. Um, and again, really letting them run a project, run a task, um, giving them the responsibility uh, and then the opportunity to fail because you know, we don't, we, that's when we do our learning. I don't think we, uh, uh, we learn quite as much if things are just going well all the time. So it's really empowerment. It's trust, empowerment, always assuming positive intent of the team, being there to serve the team as well. So, um, uh, and I've, I've got great examples of team members um, that have really been up for the challenge and have stepped in uh, and are doing fantastic uh, and have grown tremendously over you know, the last year, two years in their roles. Uh, because it is uh, you know, letting them letting them grow their wings. I like the way you said always assuming a positive intent from the team. I've never heard it phrased like that, but sometimes you hear things and you just know them to be true from your experience or that they're important, or you'll hear something and you'll say, I wish I would have heard that way of articulating it a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that. Yeah, positive intent. Yeah. So in, in our culture, in our organization, you know, we're you know, much larger now through the acquisition, but our culture is strong. Our people are strong. Our people are committed. Um, and it's just something that underlyingly we've always shared and mentioned as challenges come up, as conflict comes up in whatever uh, various way. You know, we always remind ourselves, uh, and I remind the team that we need to assume positive intent because if you don't, you're not going to reach the solution that is in the best interest of yourself, the organization, the travel nurse. You wouldn't, you won't be supporting the client quite at the level that you need to, directly or indirectly. And then, of course, there's the patient on the at the other end. Um, so it's it's really kind of a cultural uh, mantra that we have uh, here that is, is so important and it really helps to feel uh, that it's uh, for employees to feel that it's safe, that, um, you know, people aren't going to label you because you've, you've brought a topic up that's sensitive or uh, you've brought it brought uh, to the table, some healthy conflict that needs to be uh, worked out, uh, whether it's a new architecture, a new framework, a new piece of technology, or just somebody working with one another that's maybe in disagreement about something. 
if you assume positive intent, you'll be, you'll, you'll reach the solution at, that you need to, that's again, best for you, the organization, the nurse, the client, and eventually the patient. And you, there's a stronger sense of bond, bonding as well. Yeah, I like it because it helps misunderstandings. I think, for example, if, if it's said on the team to always assume a positive intent, that's different than it not being said because often miscommunications will look negative and the person didn't intend for that. And so I've, I've found that that's like, that's, that's about a, a default state. If you just were to go put, go pluck 10 people off the street and put them in a team together, right? They're going to, the miscommunication will be seen as negative, but you're proactively handling that by embedding it into your culture. And I find that fascinating. And it, it works. The, the trust is there. Um, and it really, you know, people genuinely want to do the right thing and are attempting to do the right thing. But sometimes there's misunderstandings that can go completely uh, in an opposite direction if you just don't have that base understanding of positive intent. Man, I love talking to great leaders like you and getting really good perspective and insight. Uh, we did it. We made a podcast. Was there was there anything that we didn't get out there into the world that we want to? Are you guys hiring technologists right now? Uh, we are. Uh, they, we're 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 looking at hiring. Uh, you know, so there's certainly a lot of change underway. Uh, what we've heard from our leadership, and as I understand it, we are going to continue to grow. Um, and this is a growth play in uh, acquisition uh, and slash merger. Uh, so I do believe that there's going to be opportunity as we look to, you know, uh, merge, consolidate, help supporting, the, uh, supporting, having centralized support of multiple organizations. And so very much, uh, I think anybody interested in healthcare staffing, experienced or not, you know, they're always hiring uh, recruiters. Uh, we've got top-notch recruitment team as well as uh, credentialing team, sales and account management. Top talent is always uh, of interest. And so certainly going to faststaff.com, looking at um, uh, corporate jobs that are there. Happy to facilitate uh, as well anybody who might uh, really want to learn more about the company uh, as we look to uh, grow and, and, and hire. Um, certainly send, can send me an email. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.